today on Learn Me Something. Declassified Documents versus High Jump Revolution. Hey, welcome to the podcast. My name is Josiah, and this is my co-host, Caleb. Heyo! And uh, welcome to Learn Me Something. Uh, if you haven't listened to this podcast before, it's a competitive teaching podcast, so we each teach each other something each episode, and each episode there's a winner and a loser, and we have the listeners decide who wins and who loses. Yes, and speaking of losers, Josiah lost last episode. So, Josiah, why don't you tell them a little bit about the punishment? Yeah, so the punishment for this last episode was to moonwalk for five hours. <laughs> so, uh, I... It was more... It was, like, more of a an inconvenience, just, like... Because walking is something, like, you don't think about, but you have to think about moonwalking everywhere you go. <laughs> and uh, I was... We're in... Towards the end of a house building project, so we were moving some stuff into the house today, so uh, I always had the the back side, like I walked back, <laughs> moonwalked while carrying the, the washer That's and the so dryer, good. and uh, just like walking backwards everywhere. I noticed that like if you were to video me and turn it backwards, it would look like I'm like carrying stuff, like carrying the washer out of the house or oh, like unscrewing funny. things. Just because I'm walking backwards, I thought that would be funny. But yeah, it was not too bad. I could get used to... I, I think I'm a little bit better at moonwalking now. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you feel like you've kind of got a handle on it? I think a little bit. When I first started, it was a little bit awkward. But I think now it's it's still <laughs> still a little awkward, but not as much. <laughs> I think that's awesome that you did that while in the middle of like also <laughs> working on the house. <laughs> like the middle of life. Oh, man. Yeah. Did you did it come complete with like the hand motions too or just the feet? Oh like or like uh grabbing your head, the hat, the tipped hat down. Uh I did a little bit when I was feeling it. <laughs> when I wanted to show off. When the mood was there. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Oh man, that is hilarious. I was excited uh by all of the responses. If you don't follow us on our social media, um this last episode we did was space themed. So yeah. we had people write in and uh, send in options for funny space-themed punishments. And uh, so we had a lot of fun reading through those. And <laughs> there were just some really good ones. Yeah, we do like the creativity. I don't like the possibility of doing them, but... <laughs> yeah, some of our followers and our listeners, which, sorry if this is one of you, but some of them are just very intense, like, <laughs> brutal. Like, one of the one of the options, I think, was to strap yourself in a closet straight up, like, standing and sleep for three nights or something. Oh, yeah, like a like an astronaut would do. <laughs> which I think is hilarious, uh, but... That is uh, quite the intense punishment. I thought about that one, and I don't know how you would do that. Like, you have to, like, build something to strap yourself in. Yeah. I feel like it would just feel more like you had been kidnapped than it would yeah. in space. And you're just, like, hanging in a room, hanging in a closet. <laughs> that was very funny, yeah. though. Um, thank you to everybody who voted for 
the winner, which was me, and I felt good about that. And also <laughs> thank you to everyone who sent in options for the punishment. We really do have a lot of fun when, when you guys get engaged. Yeah. Which I guess reminds us, uh, if you're listening to this and you are not following us on social media, um, you can follow us. We're at Learn Podcast. That is on Reddit and Instagram and Twitter. Again, that's at Learn Podcast. And we're just having a lot of fun. So if you're yeah. a listener, jump over and have a good time with us. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, okay, so what we normally do to start is play a game to decide who gets to go first. Yeah. And uh, for this episode, we are going to play Tanks. Yes. It's like a game where you shoot each other with tanks. Which is something that we used to do. Like, way back in high school. Yeah. And uh, I can confidently say I'm pretty bad at it, so this should be interesting. All right. Oh, I'm first. Here we go. Just the angle. Power. <laughs> oh, that was horrible. All right. Your turn. All right. Here we go. I'm going to add some power. <laughs> this is going to take a while. <laughs> oh. 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 Direct hit. Good luck. Wow. Well done. Yep. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. Up the power. Come on, come on, come on. Oh, no. Just short. To be fair, you did destroy me in Asteroids last episode, so I guess you had it coming. No. Just long. All right. Finish it off. <laughs> oh, it's looking good. Boom. It's not live, so like I can't see it until... Oh, yeah, we're now. playing, like, the text version, so each yeah. turn is texted to the other person. <laughs> it's kind of weird. Okay, well, well. All right, so since you won, do you want to go first or second? I would like you to go first this time. All right, all right, here we go. Let's begin. All right, so I have been l learning a little bit about uh, the Cold War uh, in the in the 60s, and uh, mostly because I've been learning about recently declassified documents. Oh, it turns out this is the good Cold stuff. War, the like the Cold War era, like in uh -huh. the 60s, was a weird time. <laughs> turns out the government did a lot of weird things, um, and I'm not I'm not going to get all conspiracy theory ish conspiracy theory -y on on everybody, but <laughs> these are things that like they released. And it's it's pretty interesting. So I'm gonna start off with something called project oh <laughs> projectile vomiting. <laughs> no project acoustic kitty. Oh. So what this is is you know how you can train certain animals to do things like you can train a bird to talk or you can uh -huh. train a dog to fetch. You yep, can't yep, yep. train a cat to do anything at all. It, like, if you have a cat, you know, cats just don't care about anything except for <laughs> what they're interested in at the moment. But they they thought they sh should go for it. Uh, so, <laughs> so they wanted to use cats as uh, reconnaissance and, like, uh, send them out, retrieve information, and come back. I love it. So they I love it so much. They spent five years... And twenty million dollars on this project, and they, it's it's pretty cruel, but they put they put uh, an antenna through the fur along the back, what and, like wove it into the fur, and then they put a mic in the cat's ear canal. They put a transmitter 
at the base of the neck, and they put some batteries somewhere in the in the cat. Holy cow! Like surgically, and <laughs> that's crazy. Like they, yeah, they spent twenty million dollars on this, and the first the first cat that they were able to get things going on, and like the successful test, they did some successful tests. They sent it out to go spy on some people. Mm-hmm. And the cat got hit by a car and died. <laughs> like, oh, I shouldn't laugh. On the way there, there's some, there's something about me picking topics about cats. I know you're putting me in the same predicament where you yeah. talk about a cat that's in like serious peril, and I just I keep laughing. I know that's I'm sorry. bad. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's kind of funny. Yeah. So that's that's project number one. Recently declassified. That's like some Hunger Games stuff right there. I know. Like with know. the uh, the Mockingjay or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like cyborg animals. Mm. Uh, number two is called the heart attack gun. So okay. in, in 1975, uh, there was what's called the church committee hearings. And so it, a lot of stuff was discovered about what the CAA was doing. Yeah. And one of the things that was really interesting and James Bondy was <laughs> the heart attack gun. So basically it was it looks like a, a Star Wars laser blaster kinda. Just a, uh-huh. a pistol. But it would shoot some kind of toxin or poison that was frozen in just a tiny little pellet. So when it hit somebody, it would leave a really small just red mark. Huh. And it would the toxin would melt and get into the bloodstream and and simulate a heart attack. Holy cow. Yeah. That's which, so cruel. It's James Bondy. Yeah. And apparently it there's uh, evidence that somebody claims they shot two different people with it and one of them they thought it the person died from a heart attack and the other they suspected foul play. Hmm. Apparently someone says that it worked and they've used it. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Ooh, that gives me the heebie-jeebies. It's a little bit sketchy. Like back in the day, if if they were doing that, like who knows what they're up to now? Like what technology they've been? They've yeah. Created. Well, what I'm thinking is like, what if they released all of these things and we're like, yeah, this is stuff that didn't work, but then they yeah. did. Like, what if there are cats around <laughs> spying because their project actually worked? Or oh, it's the the birds. They, they switch to birds. Yeah. How many assassinations? Yeah. Could have been yep. through heart attack guns. Hmm. Okay. It takes a lot to not get all conspiracy theory ye on know. this one. <laughs> I know. And even even as I was researching this, uh, the the CIA did a lot with psychics uh-huh. and mind control and remote viewing, which is basically what it sounds like like predicting pr- predicting things that will happen but it turns out they were only 15% accurate with the things they guessed like some of the some of the stuff they guessed or like predicted did happen but i mean it's like it's like the simpsons like if you make 30 seasons of a show about all these crazy things <laughs> some of it's bound to come true like you're bound to make some predictions correct yeah that's the classic we don't know what's going to happen so let's just throw out so much content and maybe people will find yeah. one that is real yeah yeah that's uh, interesting so yeah they they spent there was a lot of projects about that type of stuff which is you <laughs> you can think what you want about that <laughs> 
I wish that someone would make a just like running tally of like money that was wasted on things like that. And yeah, I actually I it was a while ago, a couple years ago, I saw maybe it was like a website or just a, an article about like oh, it was a book. Somebody released a book mm-hmm. about little government projects and how much Oh, really? Uh they've spent on it like like studying the mating habits of caterpillars or <laughs> there was something similar to that and they just spent millions of dollars on that. Just adding up the waste. Yeah, that's crazy. I'll find that and link it in the show notes. Okay. Yeah, I I want to look too. Yeah, that'll be interesting to look at. Okay, uh number 3 of de- declassified documents. Something called Project Iceworm. So this took place. I, it is kind of fun to like think about their their code names. Yeah, I wish I could be the person who's just like I know. Well, I mean, maybe it works this way, but I really hope not. The way I picture it, there's like a giant building where everyone works, and then there's like one office in the corner. And it's just this guy that sits in there and papers come in and he just names them stuff and then like sends them off to the next office. And I want to be that guy. <laughs> like somebody, somebody, he's just sitting in his, in his chair. A group walks in, tells the project and he's like, mm, project acoustic kitty. Yep. And then they leave and the next person comes in. <laughs> I've got a, oh, we got to make this fast. I got a three o'clock appointment with yeah. a uh, caterpillar project. Yeah. I got, I got lots of stuff to do. <laughs> So uh, Project Iceworm <clears throat> revolved around a military camp in Greenland, which was called Camp Century, mm-hmm. which was not private. Uh, everybody knew it ab- about it at the time. Maybe not everybody. Everybody who was anybody. <laughs> <laughs> if you knew anything, you knew about <laughs> it. Like, they, they invited media to come and look at it. But basically, it was a military camp in Greenland. It was basically on a big sheet of ice, and they built tunnels. Mm-hmm. And room, so they just built a a base out of ice. That's cool. And it was it was kind of partly as a way to see if it could be done, partly for some scientific research. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the where Project Iceworm comes in is it was secretly supposed to be a nuclear weapons silo. And in the ice, if you go over the North Pole, it's closer to Russia. Hmm. And the Soviet Union, so they it was like a a close place to have potential defense defensive weapons or yeah I guess offensive weapons I don't know but uh, they had a uh, Camp Century had a hospital a shop a theater a barber shop and a church what and there were two there were two hundred people that were there over the six years that it was operational and they they never had any nuclear weapons there but it was powered by the first portable nuclear reactor which is kind of interesting huh and that that ran for a while but uh the the roof collapsed at one point so they switched to diesel (laughs) (laughs) and uh classic 60s it's probably better to have something not nuclear that might yeah like in in a place like this (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's frozen. So, and they only dug three kilometers worth of tunnels in the ice, which is that seems like a lot. It's still pretty significant, for, I would say, for being in the middle of nowhere, just surrounded by ice. But they they had proposed d- 
digging 4,000 tunnels, 4,000 kilometers worth of tunnels. What? So it kind of got scrapped pretty quickly. Or did it? Who knows? They, yeah, it did. Oh. <laughs> Actually. Well, okay. They, yeah, they, they left and just, uh, there was some like nuclear waste and, and other things that Uh-oh. they just, they left and just assumed that the snow would keep falling and accumulating and everything would get frozen and buried over. But ice has been melting and climatologists are worried that that stuff's going to come out as the ice melts. So there's some people that have been studying studying that. That's so interesting. But it's still down there, just covered by a lot of ice, all these tunnels. That sounds, man, I don't know what it is about, like, secret things that just gets me all excited. Uh (laughs) But immediately in my head, I'm like, what if there's, like, some national treasure thing? Or, like, the gym can, the famous stolen gym is only in the ice tunnels of wherever greenland <laughs> yeah yeah oh gem i thought you said gym like g-y-m gym is hidden oh i thought you <laughs> meant you j-i-m <laughs> oh. <laughs> where is jim jim he's lost in the ice caves <laughs> yeah that's uh the office season eight <laughs> <laughs> they're, oh they're gonna uh recast captain america with John Krasinski. Yeah. That'd be fun. I'd be down for that. I was thinking... Wait, was it you I was talking to about this? Maybe. I was telling someone that I think that it would be awesome, like a super cool movie industry move, to yeah. just like completely reenact movies yeah, just yeah. with entirely new casts. Yeah, we were, we were talking about that. You just keep it exactly the same, but... But it's just different, different people. cast... That would yeah. be awesome. Like Tom Cruise as Batman or Robert Downey Jr. as... Uh... <laughs> well, there's the end of my creative ideas. <laughs> <laughs> it ran out pretty quickly. Robert Downey Jr. as uh, Jack Sparrow. Yeah. Oh, actually, that would probably be pretty That'd good, be pretty too. Cool. Yeah. Or uh, Chris Pratt as... Any Mel Gibson character, or just like <laughs> random stuff. Yeah, yeah. All right, I got one more. Okay. Uh, declassified document. If you're ready, I'm ready for it. This one is, I I didn't know this, but apparently for big events, the speechwriters write like the the president's speechwriters write um, speeches depending on how certain events transpire so in the case of oh, right, right, right. the moon landing they wrote two different speeches one if it worked and was successful and one if not so this speech is was recently declassified and was supposed to be given in the event of a moon disaster or if like they weren't able to take off from the moon again oh that's interesting yeah so keep that in mind and pretend like Pretend that happened as I read this. Okay, I'll close my eyes. I'm ready. Okay, yeah. Yeah, sit back, close your eyes if you're not driving, <laughs> and I'll, I'll try and channel, channel my inner Morgan Freeman. Thank you. Okay, here we go. <laughs> oh, and uh, imagine I'm Richard Nixon. <laughs> Being played by Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> Being played by Josiah. 
<laughs> three characters deep or two characters okay, deep. Okay, I love it. Okay, here we go. Fate has ordained that the men who went to the moon to explore in peace will stay on the moon to rest in peace. These brave men, Neil Armstrong and Edwin Aldrin, know that there is no hope for their recovery. But they also know that there is hope for mankind in their sacrifice. These two men are laying down their lives in mankind's most noble goal, the search for truth and understanding. They will be mourned by their families and friends. They will be mourned by their nation. They will be mourned by the people of the world. They will be mourned by a mother earth that dared send two of her sons into the unknown. In their exploration, they stirred the people of the world to feel as one. In their sacrifice, they bind more tightly the brotherhood of man. In ancient days, men looked at stars and saw their heroes in the constellations. In modern times, we do much the same, but our heroes are epic men of flesh and blood. Others will follow and surely find their way home. Man's search will not be denied, but these men were the first, and they will remain the foremost in our hearts. For every human being who looks up at the moon in the nights to come will know that there is some corner of another world that is forever mankind. That's it. Holy cow. It's a little bit chilling. It's like... Yeah, I got... Oh. Shivers. It's like a super surreal glimpse into like an alternate reality. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it would be kind of creepy to think like if there were, if they didn't leave the moon, I guess they probably wouldn't still be up there today because people would have brought them back. But for a time. Yeah. Like you would have just thought, oh, there's people on the moon who aren't alive. They'd probably, well, if they made it to the moon safely, but just couldn't take off, they probably had some protocol of like, okay, get back on the ship before you die so that yeah, you're... Yeah, and try and survive, and we'll, yeah. we'll pull a, a Martian. That's what I was thinking you. of. Yeah. I was thinking Martian. of the quote uh, at the end of the book where they find... Uh, spoilers, but it seems pretty obvious. They rescue him off of Mars <laughs> in the book, and then at the end... It was something like, aren't you glad you don't have to give the bad speech or the mission failure speech? And then the guy was like, I never wrote one. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. All right. You got any questions? Um, I think I kind of got them all out throughout. Yeah. I, uh, I just peppered them in <laughs> throughout your topic. <laughs> okay, I just perfect. think that, yeah, the, the big shocking thing to me and the thing that is kind of scariest is that, like, nothing's changed, I don't think, in yeah. the last 60 years. Like, people are still doing secret projects and experiments like that, and we will mm-hmm. just never know about them, mm-hmm. especially if they work. Yeah. That's spooky. It is spooky. That was a good topic. That was really interesting. Thank you. I didn't realize that they declassify things like that. That's kind of cool mm-hmm. that they release that yeah there's a lot (laughs) they declassify a lot of stuff some of it's just like nobody cares about anymore it's just kind of like bureaucratic stuff yeah but if you're (laughs) interested in more you can look up project northwoods or anything about the caa being involved in hollywood that's kind of interesting too oh that's weird that you said that because Mallory and I actually last night watched a documentary on that. Really? Have you, have you seen like the documentary that they just made? Uh, or 
it's some weird stuff. Yeah. Like <laughs> all the ties to Hollywood and everything. Yeah. And it's it's not like a conspiracy theory because like this is straight from the government. Yeah. I guess it depends how you interpret it and like what you think their intentions are. But with a lot of stuff, especially like Project Northwoods, mm-hmm. which was basically uh, somebody wanted to fake an attack on America by Cuba and make Americans think that Cuba attacked us uh-huh. in an effort to justify attacking them. And then JFK is like, no, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> so like that, that could have been really bad. Yeah, no kidding. All right, what do you got? Well, I'm going to talk about something equally serious, um, okay. and I'm going to take you back to the 60s as well, if it's okay. Uh, that is more than okay. Prepare yourself, Josiah, for the high jump revolution. Nah, uh. <laughs> do you know anything about this? Okay, I feel like I've heard about it where they used to just jump straight up, and then somebody decided to like do the whole twisty thing and land on their back and they were just like breaking records is that kind of basically it yeah a little bit okay um so why don't i why, why don't i just throw it in story format and you can just oh, enjoy how's that sound i'll close my eyes this time okay so yeah you close your eyes. well this is gonna be like my whole topic so maybe you don't want to <laughs> okay i'll <laughs> don't just fall uh... asleep on me <laughs> anyway okay so Back in the 60s, there's a guy named Dick Fosbury, or Fosbury. Uh, I did that thing again where I didn't bother to look up the actual pronunciation. (laughs) But for this episode, we're going to go with Fosbury, okay? Okay. Yeah, keep it consistent. Yeah. (laughs) So, this guy is super average, or at least was at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, he became not average, and so there's a book written by him by a guy named Bob Welch. (laughs) <laughs> titled the book The Wizard of Foz, which I think that's hilarious and uh, also pretty painful. Anyway, Bob writes about him, and this is a quote from his book, um, as being remarkable in being unremarkable. <laughs> so That's a he, little rude. <laughs> I, yeah, it, it's kind of a harsh book. <laughs> Basically, Bob says he wasn't a great athlete, but he wasn't bad. And he wasn't a great student, but he wasn't a bad student. So just middle-of-the-road, boring guy. Good old Dick Fosbury. Um, He grows up in Oregon, and he goes to high school, and he does what most guys do in high school, especially back in the day, and he thinks, I'm going to get into sports. So he tries to go out for the football team, and they say, "Um, sorry, you're not a good athlete but you are pretty bad at football (laughs) and then so he thinks okay fine I'll go into basketball and basketball says we'll try it out and then after a little bit they say well you're not a good athlete but you are also bad at basketball (laughs) you are very bad at basketball (laughs) so poor guy probably has a quickly crashing uh self-esteem level He decides as a last-ditch effort, he's going to go into track and field. So That's cool, though. Like, he's he's just, like, each season he tries out a different sport, even though he's getting shot down. He just keeps trying. You got to give him credit for his resilience. Yeah. Uh, 
so he resilled his way all the way over to <laughs> track and field. And this is kind of his last-ditch effort. So, basically in track and field, oh, well, he gets in, he wants to do high jump. Um, so he gets into that a little bit. Basically in high jump, at the time, there's two main strategies for high jump. The first is the straddle, and the second is the scissor. These are the two uh, methods that are used in mainstream high jump competitions. So the straddle is you run up to the pole that you're trying to jump over, and when mm -hmm. you get to it, you turn sideways, and then you jump, and you put your whole body sideways over the uh, pole and just kind of straddle it. Uh, picture yourself yeah, yeah, yeah. running and trying to jump over like a fence, like a fence with a pole, the same way you would kind of do that. So like when if you pause time right as you're above the pole, you're like face down looking at the pole with an arm or leg on either side? Right, yeah. You're kind of, yeah, you're straddling it in that way. Okay. Um, the scissor is pretty much what you would expect. Basically, it's the same thing. They run up to the pole, they turn sideways, they jump with their inside foot and throw a leg over, and they're also sideways. And so they've got two legs, their two legs kind of scissored out, and that's their way of kind of pushing themselves over the top of the pole and getting down the other okay. side. Does that make okay. sense? I think so. So the straddle method is kind of the widely used method, and the scissor method is kind of more... Uh, there's some more technique to it, I think. So mm -hmm. it's not used as often. So Fosbury says, all right, I'm a high jumper now. So coach says, okay, uh, we're going to get you started on the straddle method. And so he tries that for a while. He Basically all year, this is all of ninth grade. <laughs> he's trying his best. But, you know, he's not a great athlete, but he is also pretty bad at the high jump. <laughs> <laughs> a third time's a charm. Uh, yeah, so he has a record of five foot and four inches. That's the highest he's able to clear, um, okay. which is not impressive. And yeah. it uh, was less than the height requirement that he would need to be able to compete his sophomore year. So he's not able to actually compete in the meet his sophomore year. So... Headed to the end of his sophomore year a little bit. It's kind of that spring semester. Coach says, well, this obviously isn't working, but you seem pretty dead set on the high jump. So why don't we get you started on the scissor method? So he says, all right, I'll try the scissor method. And he starts practicing that. And he finds that it actually works a little bit better for him. Not much, but it works a little bit better. The problem is he would always kind of twist something a little bit when he was doing it. And so he would end up on his back, which isn't good at the time because the landing yeah. pit in the 60s was almost entirely wood chips and sawdust. So you get the wind knocked out of you, but it's worth it. Basically, most people who are in high jump end up landing on their feet or some sort of combo where... They're on one foot, and then they catch themselves with their hand. That's kind okay. of the technique. Yeah. Uh, real quick, how do you land on your back if you're doing the scissor? Because, like, am I understanding it correctly that the scissor is like how you would jump over a hurdle? No, that's a, okay. that's a good point. So it's a scissor in the point that your 
legs are still kind of spread out in that way, but you're still going sideways over the pole. Okay. So you're not just like launching yourself over like a hurdle. You jump up. You turn sideways before you jump, just like with the straddle. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, and so you end up sideways it, going over the pole with that. It's like how a cool guy would slide over the front of a car. Yes, that's a, a perfect description. <laughs> Astute, Josiah. <laughs> either way, you're able to kind of land on your feet with either okay. of those methods. If you're not the Foz. Yeah, good old Fozzie uh, ends up landing on his back. But here's what gets interesting. Right before his junior year, that summer, his high school ends up being one of the first schools to install a foam landing on the other side. So now, suddenly, Fozzie's thinking, wait a second, I can land on my back all day long and be just (laughs) fine, and nobody else is thinking of this yet. So, he invents something that would be later named the Fosbury Flop. And basically it ends up with him landing on his neck and shoulders, just like what you see kind of in the modern day. Yeah. Um, So he comes up with this because it's his only way to stay competitive. Like he keeps kind of trying things out and he finds that the more he turns over towards his back, the higher he's able to get. So he's just at this point trying to do this just to keep up with his peers and be able to compete at all. Okay. Now, yeah. newspapers just tore him apart. Basically, he was the laughing stock of all things track and field in Oregon. No one else had heard Again? of him, but in Oregon... He's used to it, though. He's just a fool, basically. And <laughs> newspapers, local newspapers wrote articles saying he looks like a fish flopping in a boat. And uh, another one wrote, this is the world's laziest high jumper. And because he just kind of flops over instead of this really specific technique. Focuses on getting over and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is the appeal of the story is that he is, first of all, the extreme underdog. And then he decides to do things in the weirdest way possible. That's almost entirely opposite of what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Because they're going like chest down going over it almost. Yeah, and he just flips himself around and flops yeah. himself over. Yeah. It's a classic <laughs> flip and flop, if you ask me. <laughs> classic the Foz. <laughs> but the laughter quickly ended, because here's where the story gets really cool. His junior year of high school, after messing around with this technique for a while and persevering through it, even after being laughed at by the whole state and local news and all of his peers... He breaks the high school record for the highest jump, and he does it at six feet and three inches. And that jump... That's pretty good. Yeah, and it's a record, so that's enough for the people at his high school to go, okay, well, he looks like an idiot, but he did good. Yeah, he's doing something right. Yeah. That's enough. That score, or that jump, is enough to get him a scholarship to Oregon State University, uh, where he keeps doing high jump. And he keeps doing this super weird thing. And so now he's at a university and everybody's still laughing at him. The people that even know about him. Keep in yeah. mind, he's not like this isn't like world attention. Like, look at this high school yeah. freshman in college kid. Like, not a ton of people know about him. He's uh-huh. just doing things weird. 
for yeah. kind of no reason because everyone else yeah. is able to succeed in the normal ways. Yep. But you know good old Fozzie. He's not a great athlete, but he is pretty bad at doing things the normal way. <laughs> but then he breaks his university record in just his sophomore year of college at 6 feet and 10 inches. Wow. And this is enough to get a little bit of attention. And it's enough attention for him to be invited to go to California and to compete in the trials to see if he could be on the Olympic team. At this point, we're in 1968. Okay. So he competes, and he lands a, like, mouth-watering score of seven feet and one inch. And what do you mean by mouth-watering? I, I don't exactly. know. I got, it got weird there, but it basically meant it was really good. Like, everyone was really impressed, and he easily landed himself a spot on the team. Gotcha, gotcha. Keep in mind, he's still a laughing, like he's still being mocked and judged yeah. because he looks weird, and that's not the way things are done in the high yeah, jump yeah. world. So, take him all the way to the Olympics, where he's standing in front of 80,000 people, and this is in Mexico City, and it comes time for him to go, and he runs down the track, and he does his jump, and he clears seven feet and four inches. And he flops his way over, lands on his neck and shoulders on the other side. And when he stands up, he has won the gold medal. And everyone is just stunned. Like They're the, done laughing. Yeah, they're officially done laughing. And the global audience is just confused. And it's so weird. And everything is so kind of revolutionary that the judges have to discuss whether or not a jump like that is even legal whether or not he's even allowed to do that and so everyone's kind of just in this do that yeah everyone's just kind of in this daze of confusion so the judges look in the rule book and find that wait there's nothing in here that would stop him from jumping like that Mm -hmm. and so he ends up winning the gold medal in the olympics have after being laughed at for years for the way he does things and uh, he wins by so much that only two other jumpers even came close. One American who came in silver, and then a Russian who came in bronze. And that was mostly because he tried to do the scissor method, but just was bad at it, right? It's Yeah, it's. I think it was a mix of him just kind of messing it up and then realizing... Yeah. Wait, this isn't it works. too bad. <laughs> and then purposefully like pushing it a little further. Yeah, and changing it to fit. Yeah. yeah, it's all about how he just adapted to make things work the best for who he was, no matter what they looked mm-hmm. like to everyone else. Yeah. So in the aftermath, in 1972, the next Olympics, um, he actually didn't end up qualifying Because remember, he's not that great of an athlete, but he is pretty bad at athleticism. (laughs) Right, of course. Uh, But 28 out of the 40 long jumpers used the Fozzie flop. That's awesome. And 10 years later, every single person was using his method because it was better. And it just took one guy to figure it out. And then in 35 years... Almost every single gold medal and record height has been his method. 
just because one wow. guy dared to mess around and try something a little bit differently, even after being laughed at. That's like, he, he started in high school, right? His method? Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, his, yeah was... his late sophomore year, early junior year, is when he's like developing his, his style. It's crazy that like, it wasn't developed by a professional or a coach or anything. Uh-huh. It was by somebody who just wanted to do high jump. Yeah, it was <clears throat> by someone who was literally just looking for his place to fit in. And uh, yeah. even ap- so after the Olympics, a guy named Greg, Greg Kraft, who was the Arizona State coach for track and field, said... Uh, it just really caught the world by surprise because it was something that he created entirely on his own and no one was doing anything like it. And he even said, I think if the judges had known about it, they perhaps it wouldn't have been legal because it was such a revolutionary technique. Hmm. But he just snuck in there, went to the Olympics. <laughs> no one had ever seen it before. And then he did his thing in front of the whole world and won for it. That's so cool. It reminds me of Wilt Chamberlain, who, like, just just destroyed at everything except for free throws. Uh-huh. And he, he started training to shoot underhand like a granny shot. And he, at, like, he, his his percentage just went way up. Oh, after really? that. Yeah, but it, it looked so dumb, and he got made, of, made fun of so much that he stopped and was terrible at free throws again that kind of makes you wonder if yeah he hadn't have stopped like good old fozzy here if that would be the way that it was done now yeah i'm pretty sure actually uh he's he had a hundred point game because of his free like shooting granny his granny shot yeah that's so cool i love stories where people figure out a a way to like completely disrupt a system and do something the opposite and I don't know, that's just cool. Yeah. But I, I, I do remember, I believe he was trained by somebody, a previous NBA player who used to do it like that. Oh really? And was like, he was like, everybody should do it like this. Cause huh. like, you're not getting blocked and he, he just says it's better. But then Wilt Chamberlain did it for a while. I was like, uh, I keep getting made fun of, so I'm not going to do this <laughs> anymore. <laughs> I keep getting mocked. Yeah. And then just think about, what the high jump would look like now if yeah. Fosbury had just given in to people making fun of him for doing something different. And it also makes you think of what other techniques haven't been discovered yet or popularized. Yeah, that's just completely different but haven't been tried yet. Yeah. Ooh, that's yeah. interesting. Ooh. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Um, do you want me to tell you a little bit about why it works really fast? And then I'll be done. No. no. Okay, sounds good. Well, no, this was a good yeah, episode. Go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs> okay. Um, I actually got. I learned some science for this one. I and love it when science happens. Yeah. So basically, the flop, the Fosbury flop, works for three main reasons. Number one was the center of gravity. So because you're flopped and your back is bent way like a lot and your feet and arms your legs and arms go behind you your center of gravity is much lower in fact 
most of the jump over the pole, uh, the majority of your body is beneath the pole, which puts the center of gravity underneath the pole while your body goes over the pole, which is super weird to think about, but you can look up a diagram if, if you're interested. Why is that helpful to have a low center of gravity when you're jumping? Basically, gravity, the higher you push it, the more energy it takes. So by keeping your center of gravity low, that takes less energy, which allows you to go higher. So basically, the three factors, the three main factors that um, contribute to why it works so well is low center of gravity, which means it takes less energy. Um, It allows you to enter, the flop allows you to enter at a greater speed, actually, than the other ones, the other methods, because you're throwing yourself, you're not, like, you're able to use more of your momentum carrying you over instead of the technique of the straddle or the scissor, which you lose momentum turning sideways and jumping like that. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Basically, the other two methods, you jump off the inside foot, I believe. I might be wrong. Um, And then the flop actually allows him to jump off of his outside foot. Yeah. Which gives him a little bit more speed, momentum, all that. Um, And then number three for why it works is that your legs and arms are less likely to hit the pole. So when you jump sideways, there's a whole lot of your body that has to be out of the way. But when you're doing the flop, you're kind of forcing your body, your legs and your arms to throw themselves back and be out of the way on their own. So you're more likely to actually clear the pole instead of accidentally hitting it. You know what they should do? What they should try next is high jump like they do in pole vault where you go feet first. And then you you follow your feet over it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how you do it. Would you just like come out of like a back handspring or something? (laughs) Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I would be really interested in an Olympics where you had to combine a ton of different sports like gymnastics and into high jump and somehow there's a pole vault in there and <laughs> oh 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 here I got it so it's like a floor routine in gymnastics you do some some flips and tumbling uh-huh, uh-huh. into or over a pole and then you flip down into a dive into the water ooh that's nice and then once you're in the water it's a butterfly to the end. It's like the triathlon of, or like the <laughs> Ironman of uh, Olympics. Yeah, you just you just string them all together, <laughs> all the events. And if you can finish it, you win. Fozzie, if you're out there and you're listening, also, uh, sorry for calling you Fozzie so many times, but it was just <laughs> more fun to me. <laughs> but uh, you, you can make that happen. He ended up being pretty successful, too. He went on to be, like, the president of a couple different Olympic boards and, like, That's treasurer cool. and vice president and stuff. So he went from a, like, average nobody high school kid who didn't really fit in to, like, a pretty successful Olympian just by yeah. changing the game to work for himself. I also feel like it's pretty unique because most Olympians are, like, training since they've been little kids. Yeah. For the Olympics. But he's like, I guess I'll do high jump because I couldn't do football or basketball. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. It is kind of sad, though. The big downfall of the cool uh, overcome story of his is that once other people started using his technique, he still 
fell flat and yeah got out beat by his own method <laughs> yeah because he wasn't great at sports but he was bad at sports what, what, what are you saying <laughs> what's the what's the saying? he wasn't the best at sports but he was oh. the worst or <laughs> something that's right he was bad <laughs> <laughs> anyway there you have it a topic of equal importance as yours <laughs> Yes. Secret CIA testing to a guy who's just flopping around in the Olympics. <laughs> it's good to balance it out, though. Yeah, you need you need a little bit of serious and a little bit of fun in there. I think it was yeah. a good combo. Yeah, maybe. Good wombo. Okay, so uh, we are. what we do is we have the listeners vote at the end of each episode, mm-hmm. and the loser has to do punishment. So what is the punishment for this episode. <laughs> I'm excited and terrified. Um, the pu- <laughs> okay, I'm going to try to get through this. The punishment okay. for this episode is that the loser has to, ta- has to tape their thumbs to <laughs> their hands for an entire day. Wait, is it is it like this where you tape it to the side of your hand or you like fold your thumb into you your palm? You have to tape it to the inside like the Hunger Games, I guess, without the pinky. Uh, or like the sign language B. Yeah, that is okay. a lot less nerdy than what I just compared it to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. so uh, basically we are going to... Throw the voting up on our social media. So if you're listening, you're definitely going to want to go follow us at Learn Podcast so you can be a part of the voting process. Um, And then at the end of the week, whoever has the least amount of votes will have to (laughs) tape their thumbs to their hands and try to function for an entire day. Really fun. Yeah, let's say 24 hours. So you got to sleep with it too. 24 hours. Okay. Yeah. So you tape them. You have to tape them to your hand. Before you go to bed the night before, yeah. Whew. Can you can you like put stuff between your thumb and your palm to uh, like hold like a spoon or something? I say no. I think it has to no? be. It has to be <laughs> entirely like primal, like without. So like you can't use your thumbs at all. Correct. To do anything. Okay. Which that, yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, thinking about like try to do any like in your head try to do anything without thumbs, like unbuttoning your pants to go to the bathroom or picking up a cup to drink water or like oh man anything is gonna be so inconvenient (laughs) okay uh so just as a reminder to everybody about how good my topic was i talked about (laughs) declassified files from the cia i talked about uh the project acoustic kitty with cat reconnaissance i talked about the Heart Attack Gun, mm-hmm. Project Ice Worm, and Building an Ice Camp, and, of course, the speech if the moon landing failed. So uh, vote for me. And then uh, to help Thanks. you remember why you should vote for me is that I talked about just a real good underdog story of a guy who wasn't much of nothing who changed an entire sport forever just to prove himself worthy, and he walked away with a gold medal at the Olympics, which is a huge deal. And uh, it's just funny to say words like Fozzie and flop over and over again. So that's why you should vote for me. But but wait, you should vote for me because <laughs> it's important to, 
to know what the government is doing with your tax dollars. <laughs> but you should and vote for me because I inspired <laughs> and m- motivated you to try things a different way and to persevere even when it doesn't work the first time. But but you should vote for me because <laughs> uh, you can learn from history. You can learn from the bad that happens to change the future. <laughs> and you can you can educate yourself Mm, about that gonna go that route huh (laughs) through (laughs) i'm trying to go through every different route i can (laughs) but you should vote for me because you can look at history of how the good things can influence a whole industry and how you should dare to be different and uh a variety of other things that will show up in a nike commercial at some point that apply to my oh yeah yeah uh yeah so you, you can vote on reddit twitter Instagram, all at Learn Podcast. Still a little surprised we got the handle on all of those, but we got it. <laughs> but we did. Secured. Uh, and uh, yeah, you can vote, and we will do the punishment. And, or I mean, Caleb will do the punishment. Just and, I will do uh, the We'll get to laugh at him. <laughs> and then we'll uh, reconvene next episode and enjoy a catch up of what happened and some fresh new topics. Love it. Uh, real quick, if you haven't already, we really appreciate reviews on Apple Podcasts. Yes. Uh, there's a If you go to the browse section, there's a new and noteworthy section on there that they put newer podcasts on, and it kind of makes those podcasts explode. And uh, the best way to get on there is to get lots of reviews Yes. in the early episodes. So it would be really helpful for us if you would do that, even just pressing a star. Mm -hmm. Don't even have to write a full thing, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. that would be very helpful. Um, Also, don't be afraid to share the podcast with friends. We're looking to be the most famous podcast by 2021. Also, if you remember our past episode, we've got a trip planned to Liechtenstein, and we're going to need some money for that. So uh, Yes, we are. If you could uh, just start spreading the word. (laughs) <laughs> Josiah, we're doing it again. We're just saying words and they don't really mean anything. <laughs> All right, let's let's end this. All right, thank you so much for listening and you'll hear us next time. That's right. All right, Larry, you know what to do. Play us out.